Hello, and welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and today I am coming to you solo. So some weeks I do interviews with guests, and sometimes I'm by myself talking about some research or a specific concept. So as you may have gathered from the title of this episode, we are going to talk about recitals today. And more specifically, we're going to talk about how to apply lazy genius principles to planning an end of year recital. So it's the end of the school year and a lot of us are planning out our recitals or maybe you've just completed your end of year recital or directed your school orchestra's last concert or maybe you're finishing up the semester with your choir. Whatever your musical context is, if you're a music educator who puts on year-end concerts and recitals, this is an episode for you. Now because of the timing of this episode, you might want to save this one and make a mental note for your next recital to come back to, but I hope that it's a practical, helpful one. One of my favorite follows online and for listening to podcasts is Kendra Adachi, who goes by the name The Lazy Genius. And her whole premise is teaching you how to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. So she's written two New York Times bestselling books, The Lazy Genius Way and The Lazy Genius Kitchen, both of which I have read and highly recommend. So what I'm going to do in today's episode is show you how to apply some of Kendra's lazy genius principles to planning a concert or recital. So I'm using the concepts from the lazy genius way, embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. What I love about this book is that Kendra gives you tools and frameworks to help you decide what matters to you because that will be different for every person. It's not a how-to book in the sense that she tries to convince that you need a new organizer or a new calendar or an adapted morning routine that looks exactly like hers and that will change your life. But in the book, she simply lists principles that help to frame how we can make decisions based on what matters to each of us individually in our lives. So essentially, Kendra gives us a decision-making guide, uh, which I'm always very much here for. So in this book, Kendra Adashi outlines her 13 lazy genius principles. Now, I am not going to break down each one of these concepts as they don't really apply to all apply to a music recital, but we're going to do a couple and I will share some of my recital ideas with you. And hopefully you can uh, pick up the book and apply some of those principles to your life. They really apply to whatever context you're living in. So the first thing that we're going to do when planning for a recital is we're going to name what matters. Kendra prefaces this whole book with the idea that we all get to name what matters to us. There is no one right way to live a life We get to name the things that matter. So in planning a recital, what matters to you? Is it creating a relaxed atmosphere for your students to perform? If that's what matters, then that might affect the vibe and the venue and maybe even the time of day, how you set up the seating. Um, Some studios have dress codes. I know that of a teacher that does Halloween recitals and all the kids come in costumes. So because what matters to them is creating a relaxed performance atmosphere, then you can make decisions based on that. So is it sharing music with a wider community or with loved ones? For a couple of years, when I was doing my undergrad, I kept a very small studio. And so I decided that I wanted kids to share their music with the community. So for two years, we played for the same seniors residents. And afterwards, the kids would have cookies and juice with the residents and they loved it. They talked about it throughout the year and they would ask when we're going back. And we just 
developed a really special connection with that community. They loved watching the young musicians grow each year. It was a really special experience. So because I had decided what mattered to me, which was connecting musicians with the community, then that helped to determine my venue and make other decisions about my recitals. Maybe you love to do a themed recital because an element of fun and whimsy are what matters to you. I love a fun themed recital. In the past, I've done movie themed recitals where each student played a piece of film music and we did a draw for a theater gift card and we all had popcorn and penny candies as our reception snack. So if something like a theme or that element of fun matters to you, then that's going to affect your recital decision. Now, when it was Canada's 150th birthday, I did a theme of all Canadian composers because I really wanted to celebrate the musical diversity in the country. That mattered to me. Maybe you like to showcase variety. Well, then that's going to affect what music you assign your students and have them learn to perform. Does it matter to you to publicly honor each student or each graduate? I had a teacher who honored all of the grads at her year end recital with a little speech about what she appreciated about their music and then gave uh, each grad a bouquet. And I have a tradition in my studio of gifting a score to each of my graduating students. So when you decide what matters to you, then it helps you to make other decisions pertaining to the recital. And this can change as your season of life changes, your pedagogy changes, your studio demographic changes, etc. So another example is back in 2019, when we all had the innocence of pre-pandemic, I decided that it mattered to me to provide multiple performance opportunities to my students so that they grow to become comfortable performing. So this meant that I did performance classes in order to prepare students. I did special master classes where I brought in another professional to work with the students. Now we made it just over the halfway mark through the academic year before we had to shut down and move online. But that guiding principle of multiple performance opportunities led me to keeping my studio online during COVID. And we had so many great recitals and participated in so many festivals online. We got to work with different clinicians and coaches in master classes online. My students performed in national festivals online. They did practice buddy sessions and group classes online. Now, it was exhausting to do that much virtual for two years, and finally last year, we're able to slowly start moving back to in-person experience, and thankfully this year has been relatively quote-unquote normal. But that guiding idea of performance opportunities mattering to me and my studio meant that my students kept performing even through COVID, and I was able to keep my studio engaged even while we were forced to be online. So an action item for you is brain dump all the things that might matter to you, and then decide what one thing matters most. Just decide on one thing. Okay, so a lazy genius principle is decide once. Did you know that researchers say that adults make up to 35,000 thousand decisions in a day. That makes me feel exhausted just thinking about it. I would imagine that this number will fluctuate up or down depending on your job, your living context, and your season of life. Kendra Adachi says that constant decision-making is one of the reasons you don't have energy for the things that matter to you. By discovering a few opportunities to decide once and then never again, you give your brain room to play. Okay, so this decide once concept can play out in multiple different scenarios. You could decide once about the venue and try to book that same venue every year. You can decide that your winter recital will be a themed one and your spring recital won't. You can decide once that you will always have printed programs 
or you could never have printed programs and decide to announce every piece and provide a digital program instead. You can decide about the food. Will there be food? Or you will always have cupcakes and juice boxes. You can decide once about how many recitals a year you have. You got the idea. Now, what we want to do is automate some of those decisions. This does not mean that you'll have the same recital every year and that's just cookie cutter, everything's exactly the same, but deciding once for some decision frees you up to think about other creative possibilities within that decision. So this is my 10th year teaching piano. I've learned a lot of things by trial and error and figuring out what works for me and my studio and my season of life and what doesn't. So a couple of years ago, I decided once that I will be the supplier of recital treats. For years, I used to coordinate a potluck style reception for after the recital, but it ended up being a big hassle. It was really tricky for kids with allergies. Some parents brought like Coke and root beer and little children spilled these dark substances on the carpet and it ended up being a huge cleanup. It was just too much. So I decided that I will bring the treats. Now, I used to make all the treats myself, um, slash my mother would help me sometimes, <laughs> but now I've decided that I order them. So the other day I placed my order at a bakery and pre-ordered a large fruit tray, picked up napkins and plates and juice boxes and called it a day. So that leads to another decide once, is that I always choose one confectionery item to purchase. I've done individually boxed cupcakes during COVID when we weren't allowed to eat in groups. I've done really beautifully decorated sugar cookies. I know somebody that does cake pops, whatever you decide. I decide on like one confectionery item for everybody. So my decide once was that I would bring the treats and that led to another decide once later on, I will always pick the treats up from a bakery. For you, an action item is to name one item about a recital or concert experience that becomes a fixed decision. All right, number three of a lazy genius principle is ask the magic question. The lazy genius does a whole chapter on what the magic question is and how asking it can make everything easier. So the magic question is, what can I do now to make life easier later? Now, depending on what matters to you, when you're asking this question, your season of life etc. your response is going to change. But what can I do now to make life easier later? Now in this chapter, she says to tend to the necessary before it becomes urgent. She also writes, the magic question is more like playing dominoes. And by that, I mean setting them up in a row to be knocked over one by one. Think of the magic question as the first domino in line. Ask yourself, what can I do now to make life easier later and follow through on that one thing rather than responding to the next urgent issue that pops up. You make one simple choice which leads to another and the decisions you face begin to fall into a more predictable order. So an example from my own life is that when it came to recital planning, I was not good about booking a time and date in advance. And then I often found myself scrambling for a venue, trying to coordinate a date with all of the family families and trying to accommodate everyone's schedules, which as you can imagine, did not always work out. So what I did this last year is I planned out my whole studio calendar when we were doing master classes, where we were doing master classes, how many recitals we'd have, and when we would do them. 
Then I contacted several venues to find some dates and times that would work. Having my venues booked a year in advance made my life so much easier. Now, one of the ways that my studio runs is that we aim to do two in-person events and two online events. Over COVID, we had such great recital attendance because friends and family could join in from wherever they were. And students really liked being able to do a recital from their own piano. So our first recital of the year is always on Zoom and we typically do it in the late fall. So here are some other examples of the magic question in action. Place that bakery order well in advance. Have the recital program templated and have students pick their pieces early. Set a deadline of April 1st, we have chosen our recital pieces for the spring recital and then put them in order already so that you don't even have to think about it. I also think that keeping a list of what you need to bring to the recital and editing that recital list will be really helpful so that you have what you need down to a science. Make that list, do it now so that it's done later. Another great way to make something easier later is to automate your recital reminder emails. I found that I would often get parents asking the week of the event for the address, the time, etc perfectly normal. They don't want to go digging back into their emails or log into the studio calendar. So I subscribe to my music staff and I have it set up so that it automates an email the day before the event, whether it's a masterclass or a recital, and it sends out this little description. So for example, we just had our spring masterclass last weekend and the day before the event, it sent out an email, it said the date, the start time, the end time, the description of the event, what the kids needed to bring, and a little blurb saying, if you cannot attend, please let me know. Let me tell you, parents love this because it doesn't get buried in their inbox and I'm not fielding messages the day of or at the event. You don't have to have a studio server for this. You could just schedule send or save the reminder email in your drafts at the beginning of the year and then send it out the week before or the day before the event, whatever you like, so that that is automated. A couple of years ago, I had read a blog by Andrea Dow and she gave a suggestion that you draft email responses for questions that you get all the time. And that, let me tell you, has saved so much of a headache because I can just edit the email to whatever situation it's in, but at least it's drafted and my response stays the same. The last lazy genius principle I want to talk about is live in the season. So this is a hard one for me because whether it's in my music studio or in my everyday life, I am not as good about being present. I am a dreamer. I'm a planner. I like to dream and plan for things that are not in my current season. An example of this is that I would love to host a recital in a big concert hall one day, like I got to be a part of when I was in another studio. Playing on the Beckstein at Convocation Hall at the University of Saskatchewan was always such a treat. And I would love to have a studio full of really advanced students and be able to play concertos with them and to have like a big concert experience. The reality is that is not the season of life that I'm in. I am in a season of rebuilding my studio as some of my students graduate and move on to new and exciting things. I really cut back my studio because I wanted to focus on my doctoral studies. So I have a relatively small studio at the moment and it's very easy for me to see other teachers 
teachers and studios online and compare myself to them. Oh, my students aren't advanced enough. Oh, they get to play in such a nice venue. I'll never get to do that. This simply is not true. I am in a different season than that teacher. A lot of the teachers that I'm admiring have been doing my job for longer than I've been alive. Of course, they're in a different season than me. This year, I have lots of young beginners. So our recitals include less Bach prelude and fugues and more curious cats and bunny hip hops. It means that our recitals typically happen in the afternoon and early evening because we've got to get those kids home to bedtime. It also means that we've got a lot of conversations happening about how to perform and what happens at a recital and that we practice performing our piece and bowing so many times so that I can prepare these young students to have a positive recital experience. Living in your season might mean that if your studio is really small that you join with another studio or maybe you choose an alternative casual venue like a cafe instead of renting out a church or a recital hall. During COVID, I think that we all had to learn to live in our season and we did our recitals online. We had to learn to pivot. Kendra Adachi says, being a lazy genius doesn't mean loving every season. It means welcoming each one kindly and letting it teach you something. Right now, the season that I'm in is one that is very focused on my PhD and my studio of 15 wonderful students, ranging from early, early beginner to level 10s. You might have a recital full of beginners and crave a studio full of advanced students. You might have a studio full of kids and wish for all adults, or you might have a studio of all adults and wish that you had more kids. You might wish that you had the capacity to host a big recital in a fancy venue, but you can't afford it with your studio size. Just remember that the season of life you're in is a season. Kendra says, the more you focus on what your season doesn't have, the more you'll despair, compare, resent, and feel generally bummed out. You also miss out on the good that's right in front of you. Instead, be where you are. Do the next right thing. Live in the season you're in with open hands so you can receive what it has to offer, end quote. Okay, so that's where I'm actually going to wrap it today. I will have the Lazy Genius book and podcast linked in the show notes. You absolutely need to check her out online and read her books because they're just so helpful. There are so many principles in this book that help me make my life easier and help me make better decisions and think more clearly, I really can't recommend it enough. Now, before we go, I want to recommend two books to you as resources for teaching young students about recitals. The first one I've mentioned on here before is called The What Ifs by Emily Kilgore. And it's a book that displays performance anxiety before a piano recital through these little bug characters called the what ifs. So the main character, Cora, is feeling really nervous about her piano recital and it follows her as she prepares for the recital and then at the recital. Now, spoiler alert, she makes a mistake, but then she takes a deep breath and she keeps going because she knows that her friend Stella is backstage cheering for her. Now, I love that this book shows performance anxiety and how to work through it and also what to do when you make mistake because it reinforces this idea that our what ifs can be normal and also making mistakes is okay. I just love this book and so I will make sure to have it linked in the show notes. Another one is called My Music Concert and is written by Nizreen Jardinet. These are Nizreen's words. 
My Music Concert is a social story that takes students on a step-by-step -step journey through their first musical concert, perfect for first-timers on the stage and students of all abilities. It prepares young performers on what to expect on their big day to ensure a smooth, successful, and fun performance. This step-by-step -step guide is so helpful and it has great pictures that students can enjoy. Music often has these unspoken rules and scenarios like when do we clap and when do we bow and where do we go and why do we go to a new building, etc. So I find that this book helps to answer questions that kids often have about recitals and it spells out in very clear language from the beginning of a recital experience to the end of a recital experience. It's just so helpful. The illustrator, Danielle Smith, also illustrates so many different concert scenarios and different instruments and students with different physical abilities. It's just beautifully done. So this is another book that I recommend and I will have it linked in the show notes. Well, I think that is going to do it for this week. I hope that this practical episode, I know it was a little bit unconventional, but I I hope that it's helpful for you music educators who are hosting recitals this month or hopefully it will be a good one to return to in the future so from my studio to yours i'm wishing you a wonderful spring recital concert season and i'm looking forward to hearing about yours online cheers Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure you head over to saskatoonsymphony.org to purchase tickets for upcoming shows. And if you don't live in the Saskatoon area, you can watch these shows via concert stream by following the link at the top of the website. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at OA Music Studios on socials. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.